Welcome back to the same 24 hours podcast. I'm so glad that you are spending time here and that you downloaded and rated and subscribed to the podcast because it really helps everything in the same 24 hours podcast world. So I appreciate it. Anyway, thank you for being here. Today's guest is Dr. Caroline Leaf. You are going to be floored and learn so much from her. If you do not know about Dr. Leaf, you have been informed. She is a communication pathologist and cognitive neuroscientist, and she has written the book, Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess, along with others. And she has a podcast and she has an app, and you can follow her at Dr. Caroline Leaf on her social media. But you are going to have your life changed after you listen to this podcast and read her book. So I am not going to jibber jabber on, but I will tell you, if you are a human, if you have, if you're a human one, if you have dealt with anxiety, depression, trauma, currently deal with anxiety, depression, trauma, if you feel exhausted, if you feel like your brain is just sluggish, if you are suffering, this is the podcast for you. I am going to run, not walk to her her book and her program because everything she said was like exactly what I needed to hear with regard to my own personal life. So I'm very excited when I get to bring a guest to you that I feel changed my life just by speaking to them. Because I know if just as an interviewer, (laughs) you know, and I'm trying to pay attention to like the sound and the lighting and how is this message going to be good for my audience? But if I can be impacted during an interview um, so deeply, I know that that it's really amazing and it's really powerful. And so that is Dr. Leaf's work. And I'm very excited to bring her to you if you have not heard of her. And if you have, you're just going to love this even more. So thank you for listening. Here is Dr. Caroline Leaf. Hi, and welcome to the same 24 hours podcast. I'm Meredith Atwood, author of the book, The Year of No Nonsense. I'm a former attorney turned writer, speaker, and Ironman triathlete. Although right now, all I really like to do is lift weights. We all have the same 24 hours, but it's what we do in those hours that leads to our greatest health, happiness, and success. It's my goal to crack the code on a life of less nonsense so we can all make the most of our 24 hours. So let's get started. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm excited. Dr. Caroline Leaf is here. Hello. Welcome. So nice to be with you today. Thank you. Yes. I'm very excited to talk with you. As we were talking right before I hit record, um, I have quite the goodie bag of, you know, addiction, trauma, eating disorders, like what, what have you. And you said something that was really impactful. You said that is sort of the spectrum of human reactions, I think is what you said. Now, if I quoted you wrong, of course, correct me, but that's where I want to jump off. Like a lot of your work is about normalizing what we have been taught or what society has sort of said, oh, let's not talk about that. And your work is about bringing it into the light. Absolutely. So I approach it from, and you and you summarize it really well. I approached it. I approach mind from a very different angle. I try and not talk about mental illness, and I'm not, when I say not talk about it, I try and help people to understand it in a better frame. So I come from a cognitive neuroscientific and communication pathology angle, which is a big fancy way of saying I look at mind, brain, body, or psychoneurobiology. So my 38 years that I've been in the field. I've been in clinical practice for 25. I don't practice anymore. I've done clinical research for 38 years. I still do it. The book has has got some of my clinical trials in. And I've tried to look at this from an angle of what are we as what is what does it mean to be human and what does it mean to be a human in the adverse and happy experiences of life so every human whether we like it or not we're going to suffer trauma we're going to suffer adverse circumstances because there isn't it's not a perfect world we can't control people we can't control events and circumstances and those are the facts that have been the facts from day one where whatever day one was and wherever it was <laughs> So basically, we've always as humans battled and we battle with our mind and our mind is not the same as our brain and our body, but our mind uses our brain and our body. So our brain and our body get impacted by whatever we're experiencing with our mind because our mind, brain and body work together to express who we are as a human. So So I want to pause there for a second because 
I've never heard the separation of mind and brain. And you represent, I'm so glad you brought that up because you, you represent your statement, I should say, represents the, 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 the um, outcome of the current narrative, which has been dominant for 40 years, around about 38, 40 years. So in the 80s and before, mind and brain were seen as separate, but brain was seen as inflexible. So right from ancient times up until about, honestly, 40 years ago, mind and brain were, there's always been the debate, but pretty much were seen as two separate things. And then the, as, as neuroscience advanced, so we became very neurocentric. We became very focused around the brain, 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 brain. And suddenly brain and mind were subsumed. And it was in the way that they speak about it, the science, the one group of scientists is that the mind, the, is the brain produces the mind, but the brain can't produce the mind because the brain can't do anything without us and who's us that's you and me our mind because the difference between you and me and a dead person is our mind a dead person couldn't do anything we we are listening to each other we communicate and we conversing people are listening you are all kinds of thoughts and memories are coming up you are responding you're having an, an an experience i'm having an experience and how am i having it how are you having it with your mind so your mind is an energetic force on a on a physics level, on a psychological level, it is your ability to process what you experience. And when we talk about processing, we're talking about how we think and feel and choose about what we're experiencing. So as a human, we've done that from a certain point in the womb to the age we are today, and we'll continue till we die. So every time we wake up, between the time we wake up and go to sleep, we are actually converting all our experiences through our mind into our brain and our body and they become physical substance in our brain and body. But the mind is doing the work. If your brain right. is dead, nothing, nothing happens. So the brain can't change it. itself. Genes, can't, genes aren't what we call self-emergent, who is the brain. They can't do anything without you and I. So it's our energy forces, our humanity, our aliveness that is the driving force. And my whole philosophy, scientific research, clinical application, and I've worked with extreme cases, traumatic brain injuries, Alzheimer's, dementias, autism, severe war trauma. I worked in South Africa, I worked in Rwanda, I worked in apartheid South Africa, I've worked everywhere. I've been in, in the midst of different, um, different, um, different situations, culturally, socioeconomically, with the whole purpose of studying what is mind, what is brain, what is body, what is the connection, who are we? Do what kind of level mm. of power do we have? And what does it mean to be depressed or anxious? Or, and do we have any kind of way of managing that besides getting a label and drug? And yes. what does it mean when people are addicted? Is it a disease? Now you mentioned that, that there's alcohol addiction in your family and there's bipolar, and you, which is what you've been told. And you've seen that. Right. It doesn't mean that that is something that is who you are. It is something that right. is, people have responded to, to, to adverse circumstances. It passes through the DNA as an epigenetic factor, but it's not part of your core being. It's part of what's sure. come through. So when things pass down through generations, and it's a very interesting concept. It's not that it's that who you are. It's what's happened to you. And the whole thing is you are at your core an amazing, brilliant, beautiful, phenomenal, wired for love, outstanding human being who happens to have experienced a lot of adverse circumstances and whose family have experienced as as have as every other human on this planet to different degrees and so when we look at it like that we are all in this game together and we're all experiencing different experiences together and yours is not the same as mine but it's still different adverse experiences and we respond and we react we can't change what's happened to us but we can change what's in us and that's the and what I hear yeah yeah what I hear when when you're saying all this is the distinction between who we are, our core being, and circumstances that happen to us. Exactly. And yeah. who we are is our mind. That's our mind. It's this, and we see, we can explain it on a physics level. I mean, I can go into tremendous depth that you won't, but I, and I explain a lot. <laughs> just generally like the easiest way to understand mind is to think of a dead person and then a live person. You and I yeah. do. I can put an e two EEG on your brain. I can put a EKG on your heart and you would see response, but I, a dead person, there would be no response. And if you I would see changes happening in your brain. You wouldn't see that on a dead person. So that difference, that aliveness is your mind and your mind does stuff and it creates stuff. And your mind is how you, your, when I say your mind does stuff, your mind is enabling you to be able to think and feel and choose in response to what you're hearing and seeing. And we do that all day long. We've been doing that since we're in the womb and we'll do it till we die. 
And that, that is mind. So mind on a psychological level, on a, on a physics level. So if you use things, it's, it's an electromagnetic force. It's a gravitational field. Um, we float, not floating now, you and I, we are sitting because of gravitational fields. But not only are we surrounded and immersed in gravitational fields, we have our own unique gravitational field. So you have around and through you an, an electromagnetic and gravitational field that is generating photons that is completely unique to you. And I have my own. I can't have yours, you can't have mine. When you die, that goes. When I die, that goes. That's the physics side, the energy side of mind. And that's what is actually empowering the brain to respond and to change and empowering the body to, to do what it does. We make a million new cells every second. You know, it's our mind that's driving that process. The minute you die, there aren't a million new cells being made anymore. You know, so if you think right. of it like that, it's your driving force. And the, the, the whole thing then, if that's your driving force, how can we define it? You know, what, is it, what, is it, what does it look like? What can I do with it? Can I manage it? So I teach mind management. So once you understand what mind is, and the relationship between mind, brain, body, then you can manage the process and that's filled with hope. Then suddenly you're not mentally ill, you're not a broken brain, you're not a basket case, you're not crazy, you're just suffering from adverse circumstances. Mm. And it's worse at certain periods of your life when certain things happen because things accumulate and we collapse and that is okay. It's okay to be messy, we just have to know how to understand that and manage it. And so do the people around us. That's the message I'm bringing. And it's not the message that the current mental health system brings at all. It's very different. Right. When you were talking about the electromagnetic field that we all have, I, I thought of, well, one, the first thing that came to mind was how do I trade my field for someone else's? <laughs> Number two, what color is it? You can control it. You can redesign it. That's the beauty. And I knew you'd say that, but like, what color is it? And then I, the third thing I thought was my son tends to when he's cold he'll get this big blanket and he'll wrap it around him and he will just wander around the house with it he'll go upstairs downstairs and I'm, I keep telling him can you please not take the blanket on the stairs because I just see you know this electromagnetic field of blanket <laughs> you know tumbling down the stairs but it's interesting those were like the three things I thought about like what if I don't want my field what color is it and you know is that the thing that's tripping me up and down the stairs <laughs> It's a, it's a thing that's keeping you going, but we have, so yeah. what, we, messy, what we have, and this, this really makes it easy to understand. We have a messy mind and we have a wise mind. And I mean, I'm giving a simple kind of concept because it's very deep stuff, but the messy mind is totally normal. It's part of our psycho neurobiology, psycho mind, neuro brain, biology, body. Okay. So it's part of who we are. It's how we do life. Like we don't know what's coming up in the next moment. So it's all experimental. And sometimes we understand, sometimes we don't. Sometimes we say the wrong thing. Sometimes we say the right thing. Sometimes a bad thing happens and sometimes a good thing happens. So all of that's kind of messy. But in the messiness, when we manage the messiness, when it, which is getting the wise mind to talk to the a messy mind, then, then what we're doing is we are moving into a state of growth and repair or repair mm. and growth and that is what we're designed to do as humans humans are set up to be experimenters to mess make a mess with a messy mind because we experiment with our mind our mind's doing all the action and then we are designed to experiment which means you hypothesize which means that sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't and if it doesn't then we must go in and fix it and then we must grow from that and then we keep and that's how we organically develop and our identity is what drives that and our identity grows and so at the core of who we are we, we talk about in, in neurobiology being wired for love because we don't have any structures in our cells in our systems in our brain and that are wired for toxicity but what we are wired mm. for is to make a mess and fix it but we're not wired to stay in a mess and so when we stay in a mess our entire brain body and our energetic field which is our mind I think he'll choose becomes very disturbed because it's, and it's disturbed in the sense that balance has, has been, it's, it, there's an imbalance. The homeostasis of the body has been disturbed. And then that is that threatened survival. So then we are, and we have all these signals that come from our body physically, from our brain, through the neurons, through the, the thought trees that build in our brain, which I'll show you pictures of, and then um, through our mind. And all of it's about restoring balance. 
And the easiest way to understand this is to think of the COVID virus. We've had so much immersion in the, the, the concept of the COVID virus that we understand that it's a protein, an abnormal protein that's attached to this virus and that our immune system responds to try and fight it. Now we all understand, I don't think there's anyone on the planet who doesn't understand that our immune system is there to fight a virus to protect us. Right. Yet, but what most people don't realize is that a toxic experience is also a protein structure. So as you are listening to me now, you are building my words with your mind into your brain as a thought tree. It literally looks like a tree. You're growing a tree at the moment. All the listeners are growing trees at the moment of this discussion. And these trees are made of proteins. And like a tree has got a root system and a branch system. So the thought trees in your brain have root systems and branch systems. These are memories. So we, with our mind, grow our experiences into thought trees made of memories. The memories, all the details, the data, the feelings, the emotions, the choices, the stuff of the thought tree. And so everything I'm saying is in the root system, which is the source. Mm -hmm. So as you started the podcast, you introduced me, you sowed a seed, you dropped the seed in the ground. As we started our conversation, everything I'm saying, you asking me, me discussing is going into the root system. And then you with your unique way that you think, feel and choose your unique identity, you interpreting this information in your own way and building that. So you're building a parallel, literally a parallel to that, but it's your interpretation of and then this is then how you would go from this conversation and show up. This is the information you draw from. So the fact that I'm talking about all this stuff, I have lots of these built in my brain about mind brain science and I'm teaching from those. So I spend time building, learning that, building them into my brain and now I'm talking from them. So everything we do is has gone from the outside to the inside and then it produces what we say and what we do. Now we understand that and that's all mind, brain, body. So if we have an adverse experience, like you had a lot of childhood trauma, so you had a lot of toxic experiences. Now these that looks like my tree. That's what my brain looks like. <laughs> We all have these. So there you go. <laughs> these are actually made of protein. So like, like the COVID virus, let me start with that COVID virus again. It's made of protein. When you take this experience, this discussion, and you build this into your brain, these little branches are made of protein. So as my, as my words hit you and you push those words into your brain as an energy force, that creates a, an electromagnetic and genetic response and chemical response in your brain. And the result is that proteins are made. And those proteins are mm. holding my words as vibrations. And the more I say, the more branches you grow to hold the words. So you're literally growing branches as I'm speaking to hold this content, which is phenomenal. So it's a protein structure. This is healthy. So your immune system's happy. Now here's your life, toxic experience. One advert, I don't know what happened, but one toxic experience after another. Now that's a protein structure, but it's abnormal. So the energy wave that comes in from the abuse or whatever happened to you, and I'm very sorry what you went through, um, that that is traumatic. So that protein that forms as a result of the experience going from your mind into your brain is abnormal. It's but it, it it folds abnormally. So the vibration is abnormal because it's not what you. Hey. Should experiencing it's not what you as a human should have experienced so it's a distortion of the truth that then this is your interpretation of that i'm this i'm bad i'm shame i'm useless i'm broken i'm whatever whatever you your choice what you thought about life you can't trust people whatever happened your interpretation of that's the event that's your interpretation and they grow simultaneously now that is toxic so your immune system says hey that shouldn't be there that's a three that goes against your wide full of nature, your optimism bias. So let's send out T lymphocytes and B lymphocytes and macrophages, exactly like it was a COVID protein, to go fight this, which is because it's trying to get rid of that. So that then activates a whole downward cascade through your entire body. And now your body starts reacting. So you get GI symptoms or cardiovascular symptoms or hypertension or whatever. So our body's saying, hey, there's something going on. And our mind um, is, is like getting consumed by these details, but we can't process them because they're too painful. So then we start having a signal that says, okay, well, I've got to get you to pay attention. Um, you know, mind has got to get mind to pay attention. So your mind grabs your attention by sending signals of depression and anxiety and disassociation and hallucinations, whatever, down from one bipolar to, you know, the whole gamut. And you'll have a selection combination, different degrees of severity, depending on how suppressed, how traumatic, how et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But those are not diseases. Those are not symptoms of a broken brain. They are your body telling you there's a problem. You need to pay attention mm. They become warning signals as opposed to symptoms of a disease. They become warning signals of an issue 
that you need to go right. fix up, that you need to go and embrace, process, and reconceptualize. And that's what we need to be listening to, as opposed to, oh, you have clinical depression, you all have a disease of addiction. Addiction is not a disease. Addiction right. is a is a coping mechanism. It's what right. you, there's a relationship between the person suffering and the substance of choice or whatever it is that's being used. It could be exercise or whatever. We know it could be anything. It doesn't mean that your brain is wired with the disease. It means that you can't cope with this. And to suppress, keep it dealt with, you do the, you do the addictive behavior, the alcohol, whatever it may be, because it's too hard. So, you know, so as long as you get labeled as an addict, so now you've, you've had this adverse stuff, you've gone through all this terrible stuff. So you're trying your best to do your best, which is, okay, I can't handle this, I'll do the alcohol. So it's not that you are being, it's not a being, it's a doing. You're doing the alcohol. It's not who you are. It's a totally different concept. So what should we be doing? We shouldn't be telling you, hey, you're on top of that, that you're a broken brain, that you're a diseased person, that you're a crazy person, that you've got this broken. That's terrible. That invalidates you, your experience, your history, and it doesn't help you process it at all. It just is going to make you feel worse about yourself. Maybe initially, you say, okay, well, I've got addiction, I've got a disease. Maybe initially it gave you a sense of hope, but then what? It's empty. It's an empty promise. So we have to rather go back and become thought detectors with the support of therapy and on our own, because you're not in therapy 24-7. You live with yourself 24-7. Your mind is active right. 24-7. Even when you're sleeping, your mind is working. So we have to know how to manage our mind between the therapy, between the counseling, between the support systems, and also in the support system. And that's where my work, what I've done over these years, is to, to look at how do we do that? How can I start paying attention to those warning signals, embrace them to find the message, see them as helpful messengers. They're scary, they're horrible, they're frightening, they're mm -hmm. horrific. And see them, though, as telling me, I've got to see what am I thinking about myself? What's the data? Why? And how can I change this? It's happened to me, but I don't want it in me like this. How can I change this to this? In other words, how can I reconceptualize what's happened to me? Um, and Because it's happened to what's in me. And that is the power that we have. And that's what I teach. That's a, honestly a big picture walkthrough. And it's not easy. Yeah. It works. It's science and it works. And it's wonderful. So, so anyone listening to the podcast, I will have the video of this up on YouTube and on Instagram. So you can see what Dr. Leaf was talking about. She, and when she was talking about the healthy brain, there was a nice green, fluffy, beautiful tree. And then the, you know, other brain was dark and something out of like the nightmare before Christmas. <laughs> something out of Game of Thrones or like Lord of the Rings or something, you know, something right, right. Very, this is a wiry tree all the way from South Africa, by the way, but it just really represents because thoughts look like trees. Right. So that's why I use this. Right. So yeah, I, sorry, I always do normally tell people what I'm, so thank you for doing that. Normally no, I do no, tell people, if you're listening, I'm holding up this. If you're listening, <laughs> so there's a brain and a skull that I'm holding up as well, and we can change that brain. And that's the message of hope that, that I bring, is that it's really hard. I'm not saying it's easy. I mean, you yeah. know yourself, you've done the work. When you start looking at the pain, it's horrific. People get worse before they get better. And sometimes you can get worse for months, but that's okay. If you've got a system in place that you know how to drive the neuroplasticity of your brain, it's really helpful. And that's pretty much what I, what I bring to the table. Well, and one of the things that really hit home for me um, was when you were talking about how the thoughts can show up as um, inflammation or sickness or pain in your body. Right. And so all this process I've worked through there for a long time, I had terrible neck and back pain. Oh. I was in a car accident, but it was beyond that. And as, as I went through and worked through the trauma and, and getting sober, like my neck stopped hurting, <laughs> my back stopped hurting oh. all like a lot, my allergies improved. Now I think a lot of it is I take better care of myself too, but it, it's the whole connection that I know it, me personally was broken, but listening to you tell it, it was my, was it me, my body protected, my mind protecting myself? Like what was going on there? It was basically the fact that you, this, these years and years of trauma is sending shockwaves through your brain and your body. So think of what we, what we supposed to be having is like these love waves, you literally in quantum physics, you can literally, and electromagnetics, you can literally track the waves of the gravitational fields of when an environment is 
healthy when it's not healthy, when your mind is healthy when it's not healthy. We pick that up, like for example, when I use a QEG, we can see when someone's highly anxious, the brain waves, there's six different types and they're supposed to be all balanced like the waves of the sea when waves are like doing what they're supposed to do, but they become like a tsunami. And so in other words, we, so when we are in a state of constant stress or chronic stress or having extreme trauma states and, and suppression of that, when, when maybe the trauma's passed by for a period and then there's suppression, anything that's thrown us off, your um, body is, that's, that's a toxic shock. That's the immune system responds, the brain waves go crazy. So the immune system sends out inflammatory factors, but if it doesn't, the whole point of the immune system is to go and put, uh, create an inflammatory reaction around there so that healing can happen and then inflammation goes away. So it sends out the soldiers, there's a war and there's bleeding and whatever, and then the soldiers go away when it's beaten. But if this doesn't go away, then the, then there's an autoimmune response. So the inflammation that's supposed to go doesn't go. And then that affects the other systems of the body. And then that right down to the level of the individual cells. So some of the work that I look at is looking at telomeres. And this is so interesting because it's quite new research. And telomeres are in, if you think of your DNA, the ladder of the DNA, and if you think of a chromosome, if you pull a chromosome out, it looks like a little X. So if you cross your fingers, for those that are listening, cross your fingers and look at your fingernails. Your fingernails would be, the, the, the crossed fingers are, are a chromosome and the little fingernails would be telomeres. And telomeres are what we would call a proxy for mind management. In other words, they are driven by your, how you are managing your mind. In other words, what's going on in your life and how you're responding. So if you have a lot of chronic stress and the chronic trauma and you're just not managing it, those telomeres become very weak. Why are they important? Well, you make about a million cells plus every second. And those cells are then forming every organ of your body and all the systems of your body. So you keep replacing yourself. And that's driven by your mind. A dead person doesn't do that. A live person does that. So your mind is doing this. If your mind is very messy and it's unmanaged, then the, then the, all the energy, the gravitational fields are thrown off. The electromagnetic forces are thrown off. This is Einstein's work. This is very ba this is basic physics. It's uh, thrown off. So we don't have a nice wave. We have all these disruptions in our mind, which then go through our brain and our body. And it's shock systems through our brain and our body. And we have all this buildup in the immune system response. And our telomeres then become weaker and weaker. And the cells that we now make are not as healthy. And those cells make mm. it in your lungs and your skin and your everything in your brain. And so over time, cumulatively, the chronic stress state, the chronic trauma increases the vulnerability of the entire brain and body to disease. So, for example, in my, I have a case study in the book, a couple of case studies of our recent clinical trial. And at the beginning of the study, some of the subjects had their ages were, let's say, let's say, for example, in their mid-30s, but they had bodies, their body age, their cell age, their health of their physical body was of a sickly 65, 70-year-old. So if you are in your 30s, but your body is a sickly 65, 70-year-old, your vulnerability to disease has increased. So we see a trend that has occurred over the last 40 years, a frightening trend that was picked up in 96, and it's been very strongly identified and it's been spoken about not enough but more and it's called the death of despair trend and what it is is that for years people have been living longer because of the advances in medicine and technology but that trend actually started reversing in 1996 and it's been it's pretty much in reversal now in other words what that means is that people are dying eight to 25 years younger from preventable lifestyle diseases in this modern day and age. In 2021, people are dying 15, 8 to 25 years younger than they should from preventable lifestyle issues and, and diseases. And what does that mm -hmm. mean? People are dying from cardiovascular issues that they shouldn't. So if you're 30 and your body's a sickly 65-year-old and you're not being able to manage your chronic stress and you've been given drugs like antidepressants, which add to your cardiovascular load and you'll increase your chance of stroke and increase your chance of a 3,000 other things, literally, weakening your body and you've now got um because, because of the inflammation in your body you don't have enough serotonin in your gut and you've got inflammation in your gut so now you develop leaky gut syndrome and then this happens and then whatever and you just have this storm one thing after another allergies and you know the back pain and all of these wherever there's a weakness in your family line that tends to be the area where that gets hit first and then over time things yeah worse and worse like our family has major gi issues so if any of us are stressed our gi systems just go crazy so these are in other words that is our body um 
trying to deal with this, this, this bombardment of toxicity and the suppressed thoughts and so on. And then it's also our body saying, hey, listen, I'm going to send you very loud warning signals so that you can be a thought detector, so that you can go and fix this and reconceptualize it so that we can restore our survival health again. So that's it's that whole combination, that's psychoneurobiology. What I've just described is the whole sort of cycle of psychoneurobiology. And we can control yeah. hard. We need medicine to support us. We need therapy to support. We need coaching. We need friends. We need support. We need honesty. We need to stop hiding behind labels and stigmatizing people. And, you know, more and more people like yourself are talking about what you're going through and what you're going through. But there's not one person I've had. I've experienced it. Every single person has experienced depression, anxiety. We need to tell people that this is okay. Only 3% of leaders talk about depression. And I'm talking wow. about every sphere, whether it's government, corporates, education, churches and that's terrible because a hundred percent of people are battling with mental health issues to varying degrees at different stages of their life and suicides will increase and will continue to increase until we allow people to process their pain openly without being judged until we teach our kids that hey if you're feeling sad it's okay and we don't invalidate their feelings you know you probably mm. had all your feelings and all your emotions invalidated you were never allowed to process and until we shift those 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 sort of um, parameters we're going to have a continuing rise of people dying younger, people right. suicide, younger and younger and younger. So that's my I think that uh, with like generational, I know with, you know, my generation, my parents' generation, children were seen and not heard, you know, so our emotions were not valid, right? It was, a, it was, I remember my parents used to always tell me to lose my attitude. Yeah, lose your attitude and I'm like well I'm pissed off you know internally I'm like well I'm mad you know there was no room for that there was too much the adult emotions were too big and too too important right and our I was an only child but I know my friends too like all of our emotions were just not valid it didn't matter what we thought <laughs> or felt right and then you grew into an adult with never having been able to process your emotions. And so I drank. <laughs> exactly. Meanwhile, right. what we should be telling our kids when they come home and they're crying, you should never say, change your attitude. Or that's not so bad. Or don't be big, grow up, be a big boy, be strong. You know, we should, we should be saying, hey, listen, I don't know what you're going through. Do you want to tell me? And when they tell you this whole thing, I'm so sorry. That's terrible. And um, right. how can I help you? And, you know, let's talk about this. Never to say, oh, that's not so bad. You should hear what happened to me. Or look at how lucky you are. Look at how much you've got. You know, that's the worst thing we can do to our kids. And then also for ourselves. I mean, you talk about your emotions and your family, then the adult emotions were too big. But did they did they hide behind closed doors? Did they process them? Or did they just get stuck in them? We should be saying to our kids, hey, listen, I really feel sad today. I feel depressed today. This is the reason why. This is what I'm doing. So you tell that child, oh, okay, it's all right as an adult to battle. And my mom's got it under control. She's actually explaining to me why it's not me, because a child will immediately think, oh, what have I done if mom's cross? Right. If gets upset, what have I done? Even as an adult child will, will react like that. You know, so we've got to really watch our emotions and, and, and talk about them. Tell your adult children. I've got four adult children. If I'm having a day where it's just too much, I say, listen, guys, I, I can't be there for you in the way you want me to be there today because I just need a bit of time to process because listen, this has happened. I'm feeling like this and this is what I'm doing. You know, and the neurocycle, which is in my book, I do it. I've taught my kids, my family, they've grown up with it. I'm honest about that so that we can give each other space to process. Then your child grows up. You teach this, our kids have been, this is from three, I've been teaching my kids this. So they know how to process the emotions. Doesn't mean that they haven't had adverse circumstances. Doesn't mean that they've had all kinds of challenges because that's just life. But if we right. can help kids, if we can equip ourselves, we can then be a healthier society in general because we have a way of processing what is going to happen. Inevitably. Wow. Oh my gosh. I, you said that we can't be with our therapist for 24 hours a day, but I want to be with you 24 hours a day because <laughs> there's so much here. Um, one thing I wrote down. I have an app, um, like having therapy. I have an app called the NeuroCycle app that actually goes with the book that people can oh. download on. That's the book. I think that's one you want that you've got that we're talking about. Yeah, 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 yeah. My most Cleaning recent mental mental Everything I'm saying is in here and my system I developed to actually help you manage your mind as you made the NeuroCycle. Then I have an app called the NeuroCycle. And that's literally like me giving you therapy. And you can use it. Well, there that you go. And we're starting a whole <laughs> NeuroCycle lab where I'll be able to talk people through stuff. And so that's going to be 
very exciting. Oh, that's exciting. That's exciting. Um, I want to talk really quickly about self-sabotage. This is a theme that I think is really loud in my community. And I know, um, with myself as well, you know, whether it's your exercise routine or I'm going to be disciplined and work on this project and like, whatever it is, how does it, maybe you start a goal and then you just self-sabotage, just throw a bomb in it. I call it throwing a grenade in my own life. Like just pulling the pen out, throwing it out and being like, I don't know what happened. Um, what do, what do you, how do you define self-sabotage and what can we do about it? Basically, it's, it's a great, I actually put up a post yesterday about this, and I'm just going to pull that post up because I actually made quite a good point. How to stop sabotaging yourself, literally. Okay, so 12 hours ago, I put that up. Okay, so um, basically, it's like, it's like today had put up a great post that I reposted, and then I just spoke about that. Sometimes we are our own worst enemy, and it's things like, um, basically, I said here, how often do you get in your own way? Are you aware of your particular self-sabotaging behavior? So what happens is that um, we, we what we do is we, it's an identity crisis. It really is. It's an identity crisis where we think where we've gone through something, we've created a patterned response because this is the this is the interpretation of that, and we're living out of this. But this is not this is not healthy. That's healthy. So this is um, um, a, this this produces our behaviors. So we experience something, we interpret that. This is all in our mind and brain, and then this then produces what we say and what we do. So whatever you're saying and whatever you're doing is a signal of this process. So self-sabotaging is just one of those other warning signals that we are and that has been almost kind of mixed in as a way of coping, but it's not an effective coping mechanism because it just makes us feel worse and it doesn't mm -hmm doesn't take us forward it keeps us going round and round the circle and round and round that sort of negative cycle and kind of grows us because whatever you think about the most will grow so essentially we need to become very um we need to go through the post we need to actually do a neurocycle a neurocycle in, then is the way that we get the wise mind to talk to the messy mind to analyze why am i doing this because of self-sabotaging behavior, whatever behavior you have with it self-sabotaging if it's a pattern if it's a behavior pattern Whatever's a pattern is there for a reason. So there's something that's causing that. And you have to do the work to find that out. So it's never just one reason. The reason you self-sabotage and I perhaps are because all of us do it. We all to a certain extent yeah. is going to be different. Some of us get into a really bad place. We do a lot of it. And sometimes you only do it intermittently. But everyone's experienced a level of self-sabotage, whether it's on a very small, small scale or not. And the the, the post that, that I put up yesterday, this, they said it was great. It was as a, it was a repost that I put up. Identifying and how to stop sabotaging yourself. Identify and understand the self-sabotaging pattern. And that was what I was saying. The first thing is there is a pattern. And so you can mm -hmm. do a neurocycle. And the neurocycle, I can explain how to do this using the neurocycle, which is in the second half of this book. And it's in the app called Neurocycle. I assume you'll put up the links in the show notes. Yes, of course. Okay, yeah. So the Neurocycle is a way, it's 38 years of research. It's not just a little simple thing. It's a system. It's not a technique. You can put techniques and you can do whatever you want in that. You can still use meditation and all the different therapy techniques. It's basically how you deliver, uh, get the wise mind to talk to the, to the messy mind and, and how you get your mind, the wise mind, helping the messy mind to manage what's going on and when you do that you clean up all the energy which then goes into the brain and it changes how the brain is wiring itself so you're directing the neuroplasticity so it's a directed it's a mind directed neuroplastic technique neuroplasticity in the brain Got it. changing the brain so it's how you do that so it's how you use your wise mind to fix the messy mind which is what we said we want to do in the beginning because we designed to do that so it's activating a very natural design we do we naturally do this periodically but we can some sometimes we don't do it enough and we've got to train ourselves to do it more often what it means is that we see from neuroscience that you can do this every 10 seconds so you literally are able wow. to stand back and observe yourself and observe how your patterns and the thinking feeling and choosing behind the patterns and analyze those and break them down deconstruct them and reconstruct them and that's what the neurocycle helps you do. So you're almost distancing yourself from the situation. You're stepping out into, into your wise mind and you're analyzing and helping the messy mind to do its thing. Kind of like a pilot and a co-pilot flying a plane is another yeah. nice of it. I used to get my patients to put two chairs by, side, side by side and then you sit in one and you also in the other one. The one, the one that's the, you can choose. I mean, you could one, the one that you're sitting in could be the wise mind, and then the um, empty seats to you. That's the messy mind, and you use the pronoun you. You don't use I, 
It's like, okay, how are you feeling today? So you're, so you're giving yourself therapy. How are you, okay, you, you've got these self-sabotaging behaviors. So let's, you know, let's look at the pattern. Let's start working through. So you get into that mindset. It's very, mm-hmm. you're sitting there, I can, like in therapy, it's accepting, it's kind. We need to use kindness. We need to be accepting. We need to see the self-sabotaging behavior, not as something scary, but as a signal that uh, that is coming out. It's a behavioral signal pattern. It's a warning signal. It's a clue. You're like a detective. Think of yourself, okay, I'm Poirot. I'm a detective. I'm Sherlock Holmes. I'm going to use the self-sabotaging behavior as a useful message. It's telling me something. So, okay, let's yeah. look at the useful message. What is the pattern? And then you start breaking it down. So that's the setup for the neurocycle. Then the actual mm-hmm. neurocycle is five steps. So the first thing you do is you gather awareness. So you gather awareness of the self-sabotaging pattern by gathering awareness of four elements. What are the emotional signals that are coming out of the sabotaging behavior it's making me feel anxious it's making me feel panicky it's making me mad it's making me feel terrible about myself so you, you pick that you gather like you gather apples if you go into an orchard and you pick the apples and you choose the apple you pick it you choose it you select you're in control that's what mm. gather means versus going into the orchard going up to the first apple tree bumping it and all the apples fall on your head that's how we often do we just let everything fall and we get totally overwhelmed so we mustn't do that you must stand back and be very selective i want that apple i want that apple. Mm. So that only handle dealing with that apple i can't deal with any more apples and that's fine so you do what you can because you're not supposed to do the neurocycle you do the five steps every day but you're not supposed to solve the problem in one day you can't it takes a full 63 days to wire this out and rewire it wow that into a new behavior so new behaviors happen take around about nine week cycle 63 days it takes 21 days to find this the sort of get this out the ground you know the whole thing roots and all and to redesign it into this but it takes another 42 days to actually stabilize this into a habit so that your behavior changes so you do a little bit every day and when you've got major trauma like what you've been through you're going to find one cycle you're going to fix the one thing and then you're going to come back in another 63 days and find another thing and find another thing. And then that's your life's work. It's a lifestyle. People are dying from preventable lifestyle issues. We've got to change our lifestyle. So here's a pattern that you get your lifestyle under control. So you get those telomeres and brain proteins and all the inflammation. You get that. This is all going to get that under control. Because I showed that within nine weeks of doing the neurocycle daily, the telomeres got strong again. So the cell health mm. got strong. So by the end of nine weeks, my subject's biological age and chronological age matched, which is in nine weeks, wow. really groundbreaking research because it normally, up till now, we thought it took five years. We did it in nine weeks with mind management, no drugs, no diet, no exercise. And not that I'm saying that you mustn't, you must exercise, and, but I'm just saying we just took one variable. Mind management's the most important. So you've got to get that in control first. I mean, your mind even controls your digestive system. So if you're eating a great organic, healthy farm to table meal, but you are all worked up, you can lose up to 86% of the nutrition because your mind's driving the process. So that's essentially, so you've got to bear that in mind. So our whole neurobiology starts changing when you do the neurocycle. It's very systematic. Each step that you do each day over the 15 to 45 minutes each day for 21 days, each, it's all systematic. It's all pushing the brain slowly in the right direction. You're not overwhelming and draining yourself. And then the last 42 days, phase two, you just do step five, which takes seven minutes. So it's five steps for 15 to 45 minutes for 21 days. Then you do one, just step five for 42 days, just for a minute to seven minutes. And then you start another cycle. And then you start it and you just, every day you just commit to this. And as you do that, you're disciplining and training your wise mind to work with your messy mind. That then translates into the rest of your day. So automatically you start using the neuro cycle for the quick things. So you're in a conversation, someone yells at you, you get upset, you overreact. You can quickly neuro cycle, get yourself back under control, get your mind right, get your brain right, and then you control the situation so that your whole day isn't messed up. You know, so it becomes a lifestyle. So it's a lifestyle of training. Um, So that's essentially kind of the concept. So you'd gather awareness of the signals and you'd gather awareness of the emotional signal first apple the second signal would be your behavior what's happening in your body what, do, what is what are you feeling heart palpitations gi issues back pain shoulder pain neck pain you, you know, just start becoming aware maybe the first day you only say okay depression back pain you might only be two apples you pick you then also look at things like your behaviors now we're going to start breaking it down sabotaging behaviors what are they what is specifically do they look like and some of the examples i gave were like um um, okay, that's more like general stuff. I don't want to talk about that. It's more, 
it here it's more like consider the cost well you can use mine mine is like going to the pantry and emerging 10 minutes later and not knowing what happened <laughs> so, so that's your behavior going to the pantry and not knowing what's happened okay that's great you grab that now remember you are being kind to yourself so it's all okay you can be you right. can accept this. this is a mess we're going to repair and grow so until we know what the mess looks like how do we fix it so you've got to keep right. giving yourself that. So it's totally okay. So there you go. You grab that behavior. You grab your perspective. What is your perspective around that? So there's four areas, and those are the signals. Then you then you go to reflect, and reflect is where you start really unpacking, ask, answer, discuss. Why did I go to the pantry and come back 10 minutes later? And why have I blamed? Why am I feeling that emotion? And you start asking, answering, discussing. You will not find the answers the first day. It's going to take you the full time. And you may only find part of the answers in 21 days. That's okay. You'll come back and start again. Just There's no cookie-cutter rule. The only thing is the system works in these cycles because that's how you rewire the brain. That's how you discipline the mind brain interaction to work together, how you stop the mind ruminating and going down its own track and, and getting back into those patterns that you've wired in, that you've done for so long, that you could be breaking those. So take cycles of 63 days to break and rewire. Um, but how, how many cycles? I mean, I've had some patients that would spend two years working through extensive trauma. And then that that's around that sort of main area. And then they would trigger, that would trigger another whole bunch. They're still years right. doing it. Exactly. So, it's, and then there's new traumas. You, you've got kids. Let me tell you, you're going to have trauma from your kids. They're going to do things that you are going to freak out about it. It's in maybe small, maybe big. You, you know, life happens. COVID. You know, we, we we need to be prepared. We need to have a system in place where we know how to manage what we're going through. Doesn't mean you're not going to cry anymore. You are going to cry. You are going to be sad. You are going. All of those are normal. They're totally normal. The thing is, is to accept them as normal and then process them. And that's what the neurocycle helps you to do. You know, so you go from reflect, then the third and fourth step are right steps, very specific writing things that you do. And the fifth step is a little action step. I mean, it's in detail in the book and, and the, the, the app. But they, it's basically a system. And once you get in it, it's automatic. I do it all the time. And I showed with my research that um, you, can get, you can get things like anxiety, depression, sabotaging behaviors, all these kinds of things under control by 81%. Minimum, just 10%. Wow. Just 10% will change. Oh, yeah. 81% right. means that you pretty much can go through life with a sense of peace. And as things hit you, you'll bounce back up quicker. You'll you'll get out of things quicker. You Things that maybe affected you for 10 hours over the day. Like I used to get so affected by someone upset me. I just couldn't. It would just affect everything. Someone said something negative to me. And now someone says something negative. I manage that within a few minutes. I've got it under control. You know, the sense of peace that it brings you and the sense of creativity when you recognize hey that's not who I am that's what's happened to me that's a doing it's not a being you know that's the shift that happens so you become a person and as soon as you become that kind of person all of your love just flows on other people and then you automatically want to help people do the same thing so yeah and it has this really great effect yeah I, I'm going to run not walk when we get off this call and <laughs> get your book because what you, you said um, something happens and it impacts you all day. I have done a ton of work and I can say, oh, I made such great progress, but I can get like where I've set a boundary and someone does not abide by it. And then I don't hold the boundary and I back off of it. We'll be guilty that will send me into a spiral for hours and hours and hours. Now it used to probably be weeks and then I would go to the pantry <laughs> and then that was sent. So I'm very aware you know, I'm at that awareness stage, but I haven't rewired. And so everything you were saying really impacted me because I, I see it. Um, but I, my brain is still like black tree. <laughs> it's like, well, let's do this. Yeah. I'm so glad you said what you said, because what you've defined is what I would say the massive proportion of the population globally are battling with. And that is even those that have done years of therapy, we are very good at creating awareness. We're pretty brilliant. And once we kind of face our stuff, we, we, we find the reason. So you know why you're doing that. Mm -hmm. Awareness is not enough. You need to, you need to go beyond awareness. Right. So that's what I teach with my stuff. It's beyond mindfulness. It's beyond meditation. Use the meditation. Use the mindfulness. Use all that, all those things, breathing and all that stuff. They're fantastic. I, I, I teach them in my app and in my book. But those are only pure brain preparation. You have to go beyond. And that's where the neurocycle in those those very deliberate 63 day cycles is hard work and a lot of people say oh that's too long but you, there's no quick fix you're going to it's stay. not too long you're going to live anyway you're going to be hanging out watching netflix in 60 days you might as well heal your trauma 
<laughs> that's what I feel. I mean, your, your mind is never stopped. Your mind never stops. You go to bed with your mind. You dream with your mind. You wake up with your mind. You get dressed with your mind. You can live in a mess or you can live in a managed mess. And I'd rather live mm. in a managed mess because that is, that's what we, we will find our sense of peace and clarity in life. So that's what you're saying. You have to, what you, exactly what you said. You've got the awareness. And I show in my book about the subjects that were in the control group because it was a double blind study. So some got the treatment, some didn't. And the ones that got, but they all got the same testing, psychological blood, psych, uh, narrative. I mean, so they were very aware of their issues. They, the ones without treatment, without the neurocycle, they got really bad. I mean, their telomeres shortened, their, their, their anxiety levels were asked, like, insane the QEGs were so obviously we gave them the treatment at nine weeks so that calmed them you know sorted things out because we limited the time period to nine weeks um, but that just shows you and there's a lot of research showing awareness alone is not enough sometimes meditation right. and mindfulness creates brings up patterns but if you don't know what to do with that you get worse and I have seen this so many times and I've heard so yeah. many stories and thousands of cases of people emailing me and DMing me telling me that stuff and I saw it in my own practice with patients that came to me had had therapy for years that were a mess because they had they were so aware but they were just like stuck in this awareness you know you've got to right go, you have to deconstruct and reconstruct and you can't suppress this you can't just see the tear away and that's been another bad thing you can't just have a little magic trick and now I'm gonna you know put that on there that's a band-aid on a bullet wound you have to deconstruct this you have to make this work for you. It has to become the toxic tree has to turn into this. It doesn't mean my story's gone, but my story's converted into this. I've just pulled a little green tree out of the big green tree. So my toxic tree has now become this tiny little green thing that makes me cry because it's sad, but I manage it now. I control it. I've now redesigned yeah. and it plays out into my future. But that takes time, it takes work, it takes effort, and it's hard. But you get there and your life never changes. Your life just is never the same again. You've got a level of growth in you that will help you through the next trauma. And that's how we're supposed to be growing through life. Thank you so much. Tell everyone where they can follow you, find your book and your app. Absolutely. Um, Dr. Caroline Leaf is my uh, social media handle. So Instagram, Facebook, um, at my webpage, drleaf.com. The book's available wherever books are sold, including my website. The app is available to iTunes and Google Play. And then I have a podcast called Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess. So lots of good advice on there. I love it. Thank you so much, Dr. Leaf. Thank you so much. For Thank you for joining me on this episode of The Same 24 Hours. Remember to rate, review, and share this podcast. It really matters. I appreciate it. See you next time.